Hello and welcome to The Film Show. I'm your host, Owen Ronane. What a name. Uh, I'm joined by Dee Malumby and Brian Lloyd, two other fine names. I They can't... are great names. Well, mine's particularly good. I only encountered the name Malumby for the second time recently. Yeah. With uh, Ireland Under 21. Jason Malumby, are you any relation? You know what? I probably am, but I don't know. <laughs> wow, yeah. I'm sure my dad would know. My dad actually knows. I was all looking of our forward to find that presence. out. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's an unusual like, not to be not to be like saying like I'm making fun of it or whatever, but it is an unusual name. It like, is. And it is Irish. Yeah. People are always surprised at. Yeah, because like the first time I heard it, I thought, oh, she Italian or something. Like I yeah, I had the exact same thing. Wait, but at the same time, Ronane often gets mistaken for French or something. Oh, really? There you go. Isn't Irish. it Norman or something, isn't it? Is it Irish? Oh, Ronan. Norman? Son of Ronan. Right, yeah, so oh, that yeah. would be Ronan. I think it's maybe, yeah, do you know what? Maybe me and Sirius Ronan are related. I think it might be a, a, a change of Ronan. Possibly. You'd be her descendant because it'd be O Ronan. Yeah. So from Sirsha. Yes. Yeah. There you go. I'm Sirsha's son. <laughs> I've done it. Um. Yeah. Can we slag I, your name? Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. Like, it's Welsh. Is it? Yeah. Lloyd is like, Lloyd is oh, the most... Oh, it's probably the ultimate Welsh name. Yeah, that is like the most bog standard, Jesus Christ, you could not get more deep in the valleys name than Lloyd. Lloyd or Jenkins. You'll Do have you know... to name your child like Roderick or something. Or something, yeah, or Mafanwe. Um, <laughs> although, you know, to be fair, I have I have uh, my first cousin's uh, child is called Senan, which apparently is a very Welsh name. And, very nice name. Uh, my brother's name is Andrew. Like Andrew Lloyd Webber. Wow. That's gas. Did he, does he dislike that? No. And funny, he's a musician as well. So there you go. That's quite funny. There you go. Let's move on. Last mention, just because it is movie related. My favorite movie joke ever with Lloyd in it. Oh. Ryan knows exactly what I'm talking about here. No, you forget this. Oh, okay, a couple Dumb of years ago. No, I was going to say uh, Lego Movie Ninjago, which is Lloyd. not a very good movie, but there's this really funny joke in it where he's named his son Lloyd, so it's his first name, but he keeps calling him Lloyd because you know, <laughs> there are two L's. And, because and, has two L's. And the son is like, no, it's Lloyd, dad. And the dad is like, no, it's Lloyd. I would know I named you. So, <laughs> it's his right. It's, yeah. yeah, he can. Brian Lloyd. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. The Lloyd is actually in Welsh. It sounds hoid. So like that's hoid. Hoid. Yeah. So like it's it's. Stop ruining the fun. I'm not ruining the fun. I'm you just are. saying. Learning. I'm not ruining the fun. We're learning the fun. And We're learning. <laughs> hey. Oh, there go. All nice. right. Movie news. Movie news. I often wonder, by the way, is this shy talk? Why people listen or I what think people is. skip? We'll never know. Yeah. I, like to, I like to think. I like to think our banter. I mean, people can go anywhere for movie news and reviews. But they come here <laughs> for the shite talk. Surname etymology like this. <laughs> yeah, unreal. Okay, the Batman. <laughs> this is actually class. This is class. So what we've got? Jeffrey Wright is yeah. potentially on board as Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Which feels like the role he was born to play in a way. It's yes. very fitting casting. He's almost typecast in a way. Like he he's very Gordony in Westworld, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think he's able to kind of play that sort of like 
put upon kind of like weight of the world on his shoulders mm. kind of thing really really yeah. well yeah. like and that's that that is literally what Jim Gordon is like he's mm-hmm. this like put upon like just you know yeah. soldiering mm-hmm. through kind of thing had a similar kind of role in Casino Royale actually and yes. it'll be interesting to see um, his character has been written back into I don't know if you saw the next Bond movie so oh brilliant be yeah because yeah. he was always the CIA man in Felix a lot of the Bond movies exactly yeah yes. what's it there Dexter Felix Leiter there it is is oh my god which again he was great to revitalize that character yeah because yeah he was like geez he was in like dr no and stuff like that he's been around like he's been in the series since day one like so yeah um he's gordon yeah but jonah hill as well you see this is the thing right they've said like it's not like fully confirmed correct so deadline are reporting this um, but they're usually very good with their sources. They're usually pretty on the money. Yeah, yeah. they're pretty on the money. But what's interesting is, is that for Jonah Hill, they basically haven't determined who he's going to play. Yet. Yeah. Whether it's it's leaning be... towards villain, was it? Oh, yeah. No, he'll be playing a villain. They just don't know which villain it is. I whether it's, love that. He... Whether it's the Riddler or if it's going to be the Penguin or something like I that. I think it has to be one of those two. I was I trying to is. think about this on the way up and like. Originally, maybe when he was huskier, you might have said penguin, and he would make a great penguin. But yeah. I'd love to see him as Edward Enigma. Yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah, because like I mean, obviously, like you know, the one that would be in kind of I don't know most people's minds would be like Batman Forever and Jim yeah, Carrey, where he was just yeah. completely clowning it up, like. But but it kind of worked in a weird way. I did no, I did for Batman Forever. Of course, it did yeah, because like yeah. in Batman Forever, they were basically just like copying the sixties, yeah, mm-hmm. the TV show, like which was originally played of by all the influences to go. <laughs> no, but like yeah. to, I mean, it made sense because like you've done such weird, dark stuff with Batman and Batman Returns. Where would you go? Of course, mm-hmm. you'd go for it. Goofy. Do a new take on Complete. the crazy, and then it went it. like too far in that category for Batman and Robin. But, or maybe it didn't know. go far enough. Uh, maybe, maybe it didn't maybe. go they far enough. More bat nipples. They mean we need more chrome and bat nipples in this, <laughs> and we need more puns. What does Joel Schumacher made since? Hey, oh God, what has he done? He did oh, like after Batman and Robin, he did like Tigerland, and then he oh. did. I think he did Phone Booth. He did Phone Booth after it. Like, that's true. That's, yeah. and that's re- an excellent movie. That is an excellent movie. Joel Schumacher is a really nice guy. I talked to him on the phone to Clang. Just get that Clang in there. Um, I talked to him on the phone for nearly two and a half hours. I didn't know this. Yeah, I, did I this. can totally see him. Was being it about the kind Batman? of guy that would ramble for two and a half hours? But like, okay, no, yeah. you're right. He totally rambled. But at the same time, it was on the end of the phone. It was like, oh my god, this is so fucking interesting. You were the like, perfect person to ramble at. You would love. A good I'll go. I'd eat that shit up. Like he was like telling me all sorts of stories. Like it was just he's one of those people. I think that I would happily. Yeah, you would love to have him as a dinner guest because yeah. he'd have the most interesting stories. He'd have the most interesting takes. What on was things. his take on his Batman legacy or whatever? He was, to be fair, he was very open about the fact that, look, I was sent in there to do a job. My job was to make a really commercially viable Batman and that's what I set out to do. And he was explaining that basically Batman Returns lost Warner's a shit ton of money because the film was too weird for for parents 
to bring their kids to bring to. their kids yeah. mm-hmm. so like all the toys that were made for Batman Returns none yeah. of them were ever sold well, it probably oh didn't help that the predecessor Batman Returns was actually quite like violent I remember yeah. being yeah. creeped out by that as a kid like when the penguin dies and everything yeah. and he's got all that black ooze coming out yeah. of him and stuff for some like, reason it was as creepy. well I think Batman Returns was one of the movies I saw more than any other film growing up yeah it was always on RT yeah and it was we must have had it on video as well or something yeah. but Jim Carrey's performance in is, Batman Forever was like just complete the exact opposite. Like it was yeah. complete cartoonish. Like, and he said it himself. He was like, "Look, we were evoking the '60s, the Adam West. We were going for something a lot more accessible." And you know, I don't apologize for that. That was my remit. That's what I set out to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And I said, and said, like, look. You know, it's a bit silly, but it's a bit silly and what have you. Like people saying, "Oh, I killed Batman." No, I didn't. Batman was—he's fine. He's totally fine. (laughs) And what do you think Jonah Hill could bring to either of those characters? Well, and you must be very relieved, by the way, Brian, that it's not Josh Gad. Oh yeah. Because if you've been a loyal listener on the show for God, we've been doing this for I don't know how many years. I think this was back when it was the movie show. Sorry to cut across you. I think we're coming up on our like seventy fifth episode of the new show. He might be. Yeah, yeah. might be. Yeah. Go on. But this was back when it was the movie show. But there were rumors that if Batman was to be rebooted, Josh Gad could be the next Penguin, and Brian made a commitment that day. He said that if Josh Gad was ever cast as the Penguin, he would leave the office and walk into the ocean and never be seen again. <laughs> so you must Make be delighted you don't have yeah. to follow through. To, 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 to actually, to, and I, I was deadly serious about this. I scaled it back a little bit. I said if Josh Gad yeah. was cast as the Penguin, I would quit as movies editor of entertainment that I, and, re, <laughs> and retire from the entertainment industry so unrelated to the casting why would you give up your life because I'll tell you exactly why it was such a fucking obvious as fuck casting choice that I was like there is no just after Frozen or something it was just after Frozen this was around the time of like Murder on the Orient Express as well yeah 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 and I was like that is such a Jesus Christ, can you not just have the slightest bit of imagination yeah. and do something? But then different. is Jonah Hill just a rich man's Josh Gad? Possibly. El Camino, Breaking yeah. Bad. It gets like a proper trailer because there were at least two teasers. I thought this was going to be um, another cheeky teaser. Yeah. It's a proper trailer. It's a proper trailer. People are so happy. Um, Yeah, I'm still like does this need to exist? We talked about this before a few months ago and I'm still feeling like I don't really need to see what happens. Like, like the way that it ends with Jesse is that you're left with genuine hope. Whereas this trailer from what I'm looking at so far is going to plunge me right back into the depths of despair. Poor Jesse Pinkman just can't catch a freaking break. Can he? Yeah. It's just, oh, it's Especially just deeply like, upsetting. That last shot thing, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's like he's driving off into the horizon to salvation. And now I know he was driving to Badger's house or whatever. Yeah, like, literally that like, <laughs> walks up the Badger and it's like, oh, come on. Like, I thought you were getting out. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm still going to watch it. I, I it think was a great trailer. Great trailer. And like everything I've seen of it so far, I'm very positive about. But yes, I take these point. It's kind this this feels to me like Blade Runner 2049 in that it is. No, stop comparing it to Blade Runner 2049. He's doing that just to piss me off. I've missed he knows this comparison. The first worthwhile, but better off without Correct. a sequel. No, because Blade Runner 2049 is a great film. But it is still a good film. I love Blade Runner 2049. I'm saying it 
doesn't it didn't need to exist. Maybe no. Ad Astra didn't need to exist. <gasps> oh, I saw oh. it at the weekend in IMAX. What do you think? We're on a movie podcast, so I can't go. I can't not say anything. But I'm like, huh? I really enjoyed it, but I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I think I and I didn't hit me as hard as I thought it would. I did find parts where I was like, "Come off it, Brad." Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I can. I love. I love watching lean movies like that where it goes mm-hmm. from like scene to scene. But mm. I thought that one was lacking somewhere. I should really know where. I think it I was. It, I don't think it was so much lacking as it was just kind of stuffed in with a bunch of like, you know, existential yeah. crap. Yeah, and it's like I love when you know? sci-fi is used to get across like bigger ideas or like you know a character's internal struggles and all the space yeah. is just representative of that. But yeah. I found it just a bit too allegory. Like you're bit right, too on Liv, the nose. Yeah, like. Liv Tyler is just a cipher for Mott at home. Yeah. There's a lady and there. And they have waiting. her in there because, oh, Armageddon, people like that. But yeah. they don't give her any freaking lines. And I wish Tommy Lee Jones had a little bit more to do. I love, I, you do have a valid point that it's like, he he isn't, there is no closure because yeah. he is so aloof. But I think, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's interesting because like, I think, you know, people, you know, like people's mileage varies, you know, that kind of way. Like, is in, you know, your own experience will always color I, I genuinely believe this your own life experience will always color how you'll interact with a film and there are films that you'll watch yeah as in anyone listening to this you'll watch that you're like wow that film really spoke to me and really got me and i mm. absolutely felt everything in it because i've lived it yeah I've lived some sort of variation <laughs> of it and then there are other ones where you know you have no it just does nothing for you at yeah. all it just, yeah. it's complete just nothing like like Downton Abbey like yeah. <laughs> Downton Abbey was which just, you were be, not which the target is market. beating at Astra yeah. but in the yeah. box office yeah by but the that way, was which it is funny yeah but that's it like the idea of like there's just nothing in in uh, Downton Abbey rather that I'm yeah just, like, I got and I think maybe because I didn't latch on so much to the kind of father themes or whatever but like like daddy issues is too blasé a word for it but yeah. I'd love to find a way to recommend it to anyone who has daddy issues <laughs> where it's like if you've just a yeah. subtle hint <laughs> I, it's, it's funny though I actually it's funny you said it because I saw I saw a really funny tweet actually um uh, over the weekend it was like it was basically saying like hey to all you people who didn't who didn't who couldn't connect with that astra i'm glad your dads were an asshole or something oh, like yeah. that so i'm glad you didn't have a dad who was an asshole like everyone else did it actually does That's a really so good job of getting those things across yeah. yeah yeah and i enjoyed it so there's a little maybe slightly spoilery review in no no, no no i think you're grand i think you're okay uncut gems with adam sandler wow this is an interesting one yeah it's 824 it's the safty brothers who previously directed good time which brian still hasn't seen i'll get around to it but it's a really really good movie it's one of the ones that so robert pattinson basically did a lot of weird like indie stuff post the Twilight era but one of the ones that kind of got a more general release and more people actually saw was Good Time yeah. and it's really really good like it's just a very taut thriller Um, he's great <laughs> in it it's really kind of different and like distinct stylistically it, yeah. to anything you've seen it's on um, Netflix 
I think it's on Netflix. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah look it up. down in my yeah. famous notes. Um, but it, anyone who's seen it, if you watch Uncut Gems, it has a very kind of similar feel and it's Adam Sandler kind of playing it straight and he looks very, very good in it. He essentially plays this jeweler who ends up kind of getting involved in the crime world when he gets into some dodgy gambling and it just... He looks, looks like a bit of a nasty character himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of nasty, but like try, just trying to make his way in the world and it looks like a really good performance from him like, this is the thing taking people himself are, seriously what is it people who saw it at festivals are like thinking right, nominated for yeah, Oscar yeah. again yeah. he's the most <laughs> I, divisive he, he is no I'll tell you what he is he is so fucking frustrating is what he is because when because he, he's so talented yes that is exactly it he is a ridiculously talented actor people write him off and say oh fucking grown ups and uh, what was that one Jack and Jill and all that kind of shit <laughs> yeah but like, man, when he actually gives a shit and cares about something, he is the one of the great actors. He really, really is. Like, and you only need to look at something like uh, Punch Drunk Punch Love, Drunk Love. Yeah, yeah. yeah, or even I only watched that last year. And yeah, it's really it's good. So underrated. Like, and again, it's all it's a one man show, really. Completely, and it it really is. What I think it's one of Paul Thomas Anderson's most underrated, undervalued uh, films. Like. Yeah, when he actually cares enough to mm. turn up, he can be brilliant. Even funny people, which, you know, not a lot of people liked. Yeah. But I thought he was good in it. I thought the he was really it, good yeah. in it. And like, you could tell he was really trying to reach out to audiences. Um, yeah, and I'm really looking forward to this. And I, I feel like you have a similar feeling toward, similar feeling towards Adam Sandler that you do with Robert De Niro in that both yeah. actors kind of have made so much money they can do whatever the hell they want and they keep on kind of picking these like kind of lazy Le- projects yeah, yeah, or yeah. something you know and they're saying that oh it's because I prefer comedy but it's not that it's because they're less effort and you guys know it yeah. Yeah. but I mean they are like you know they're both taking a more serious turn now with you know Robert De Niro going for the Irishman now so who knows maybe they'll actually like properly start yeah. to act again yeah. I can't see De Niro outside of this doing anything not lazy again yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. like he just I even feel like true. the Irishman is a, is a tad lazy it's typecasting like yeah, yeah. well it's bringing the boys back together I, that's yeah. fair like I mean there's a, there's an element of like legacy and this is him closing off I mean it's Scorsese so I'm gonna watch it no matter what oh god you know? <laughs> Look, everyone's gonna watch it just because anyway but like it's it, is it getting an Irish theatre release? Yeah. Did we finally get down to the bottom of that? Yeah. 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 I, uh, no, I actually need to get on to Nicola about that. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, they're, you know showing, they're, they're showing funny. The King. They're showing The oh. King is getting a limited cinema release. And I think so is The Launch. I'd like to see that. So you guys are excited something funny kind of going on with the Netflix movies. But watch this space because we will keep you updated on yeah, this podcast. The King is the Timothy yeah. Chalamet one. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. I'm actually going to see The Laundromat tomorrow. Oh, and you saw The Joker today. We're going to talk about that on next week's podcast. Sure. Yes. Just a teaser. People further, yeah. Although, if people want to read the review, it's online. Actually, for everybody listening, can you give a inaudible look as to what you thought of the Joker? No way. That just looks <laughs> surprised and a little frightened. No spoilers. That's fair. That's fair. That's, fair. <laughs> That's actually what I was trying to emote. Yes. Good. Good. Okay, we're going to transition into non-Joker movie reviews. Movie reviews. Brian, you're up first. You've seen The Goldfinch. Yeah. 
Um, this is based <laughs> on more than they pause. Um, no, I'm actually th- seeing this tomorrow night. So yeah. I'll let you know what I think. I would love to know what you think of it. I really would. Have you read the book? I have not. Okay. Um, it's based on a very well-known book by Donna Tarrant mm. uh, called The Goldfinch, obviously. Um, and like, yeah, like I've talked to a couple of people in the office about the, the book and almost all of them said the exact same thing, which is kind of weird. That doesn't usually happen with these kind of things where both of them said it's not really the kind of book that would translate well into a film. Okay. And what were the reasons for that? It's very internal. It's very internal and it's very glossy and there's a lot of like back and forth and just, you know, it's just, it didn't strike a lot of it is internalized. I think is what they were trying to say. Um, and it's fair to say that like when I was watching the goldfinch, I didn't have that frame of reference. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. Mm. And uh, I talked to John Crowley, interviewed John Crowley, and he basically said, look, you can't, when you're adapting a book, you can't, you can't just set out to make a film just for the people who've read the book. Sure. You have yeah. to make it so that accessible. it will, exactly, that it will be accessible to everybody and anyone can watch it. Like It's very dodgy territory, isn't it? It is, isn't it? It is. And like, to be fair, like I was going into this Knowing that the people who had talked about it saying, like, oh, God, I don't know how they're going to do that. Um, and it didn't get great reviews out of Toronto, I want to okay, say. Yeah. Um, Would you give us a synopsis? Yeah, sorry. So uh, Ansel Elgort uh, is this uh, very well-to-do uh, antique dealer in New York. And as the story progresses, it basically is revealed that when he was a young child, him and his mother were uh, in this bomb blast in the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art. Wow. And the Met us Yanks. Continue, Brian. <laughs> D, of course, being a New Yorker, because she's from Brooklyn. Yeah. No, she's from Queens. From Queens. She's from Queens. They call where, it the where, Met. Yeah, the Met. That's how people in Fingal refer to the as yet unpublished uh, Metro North. Is that what oh, they call really? it? The Met, yeah? No. <laughs> You totally pulled that off. <laughs> you could have kept that going. I'd be like, wow. <laughs> I just yeah, wanted to be like, the Met. we can all have our we own We would have Met. just started talking about the Met and people would have been like, what? 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 We could go on another tangent if he's on a big Metro North diversion. <laughs> <laughs> keep going. Anyways. So yeah. So basically, uh, Ansel Elgort's, uh when he was a child, uh, he was in this bomb blast uh, and he basically took this uh, painting called the Goldfinch and he's hid it with him. His entire life. Oh, he stole it from the gallery after the after the bomb bombing. blast. Yeah, after wow. the bomb blast. What yeah. a little bollocks! But for stealing see, like priceless see, art, <laughs> right? You think that you think that, and then it turns out basically that the painting itself has this. It, it, it's a real painting. Yeah, has this history of being like it was the painter of it um, died in an explosion. And oh. it was it's saved. a very explodey based painting, kind of yeah. Like it's in, it's always been saved, basically, like during World War Two. Okay, it was yeah, saved and all this kind of stuff. And it was explosions. taken by the Nazis, kind of yeah, kind of thing. Right. Like it's just it's it's people have to save it. People have to save it and pass it on. It's yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, um, that, de- <laughs> that definitely sounds like a book. Rather it does, than doesn't it? Does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. It gets better though, right? So. Um, after the bomb blast when he was a kid, uh, he's sent to live with this very like New York patrician family called mm. the Barbers. And Nicole Kidman is this 
uh, very kind of uh, well-to-do, stuffy almost. They're uh, living in Manhattan kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. Who uh, takes him in, takes him under his wing, realizes that he's a very sensitive child and all that. So they've gone through so much. And then it fast forwards, you know, 20 years later and now he's Ansel Elgort and he's this kind of high-flying antique What dealer. year is this now? This is like, I don't know, I guess like 2010, 12? Right. Are you telling us the whole movie or just the premise? See, here? this is it. I'm trying to get to the point is, is that the actual premise of it, if you say it out loud, it doesn't really make a huge amount of sense. It's basically okay. about a New York antique dealer who stole on a painting 20 years ago in a mm. bomb blast. And that's kind of it. Like the problem. Can I, I ask a quick question? Sure. You know when you said about how it's been saved from war and from yeah. this other explosion, do they show all that? No. Okay. They show the bomb blast and okay. the and the um the it's revealed basically that a guy convinced the little kid to take the painting and he was like, okay. You've got to save this painting. It's got to exist. Okay. You know that kind of way? So it's kind of bunch of flashbacks yeah. you're learning more and more piecing together exactly. the puzzle th- and all that correct ah. that's it the story unfolds mm. bit by bit and an extended sequence in the uh, film is set in Las Vegas where he kind of goes off the deep end and the kid starts getting into drugs and he gets into underage drink and he goes into this really dark place and what have you um right good <laughs> points I think John Crowley is a really good director. I loved Brooklyn. I thought it was a really, really well-made film. He did Boy A. Great film. Yeah, really good. Uh, He directed two episodes of True Detective. Did two of the best episodes, in my mind, of uh, True Detective Season 2. I think he had a fucking gargantuan task on him trying to piece this entire story together and make it work. Now, to be fair, you know, he had, like, Roger Deakins doing cinematography and... He had Peter Strauen, who's a really well-known screenwriter, oh, writing yeah. the script. Yeah. Tinker Taylor. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, 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 correct. Correct. The bar is very high. There's a very set genre for yeah. what they're going for here. Yeah, yeah. Completely, completely. And I suppose the idea is because they'd adapt- he'd previously kind of adapted Brooklyn so well. You know, another book that... Colin w- Tobin. Yeah, Colin exactly. Tobin, yeah. And, that and that was had Nick kind Hornby of- who yeah. adapted that. Yeah. And that worked really well, actually, being translated into a movie, I thought. Yeah. You correct. Know? Yeah, correct. So you're apprehensive to lay any blame at his feet or? <sighs> I think personally, I think, yeah, I think I mean, I'm apprehensive. I'm not, this isn't just because it is. he's Irish, isn't it? No, but not <laughs> even that. No, no, no. Genuinely not. Like, I'm not, and not just because I've talked to him at, at length for a long time. Like, or anything. I, I swear to God, that's not the you case. You love the works of Joel Schumacher as well, I believe. <laughs> I do. I do. But look, my, no, I, I, fuck you. Like, no. Like, Anyone and, who'll talk to you. <laughs> fuck you, all right. No, like, I, it's not that at all. I think the problem that I had with this was, was that I think fundamentally, fundamentally, this just shouldn't have been turned into a film. That's yeah. my point. I think fundamentally, this couldn't have worked as a film. And again, I haven't read the book, but looking at this story from someone who's coming into it and knowing that it's been based on a film, or sorry, it's been based on a book, I can't imagine how fucking difficult that must have been. Yeah. And it didn't work. Um, You know, the, the like nearly all the characters in it with the exception of Jeffrey Wright are completely unlikable 
Okay. Mm. Um, especially I, Ansel. Especially Ansel. He is a complete shit from beginning to end. No way. And he's... The he sounds a bit shit even from the description you gave yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you're supposed to have sympathy for him and like, oh, you know, his mother died in that bomb blast and, you know, he's going through a lot of things. You never he, got over the theft. But like, no, it's not even that I got over the theft. It's just like some of his kind of decisions don't really make a huge amount of sense. And it's sort of thing of like... You like, weren't sold. Yeah, I just wasn't sold on his character. And to be mm. honest with you, I don't really rate Anzan Elgort as an as an actor. I think he's He did I, yeah, Baby Driver obviously he was his the job weak link. was to be wooden in it. <laughs> yeah, he was the weak link in Baby oh, Driver. I thought he was great in Baby Driver, but I would say that I couldn't really see him doing roles that'd be that would require more kind Correct. of characterization than Correct. that. But I thought that it fit maybe like yeah. I was saying, maybe it was like slightly wooden was kind of necessary yeah. for it anyway. And he yeah. certainly like looked the part and everything. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I wouldn't say it was the weak link. Well, maybe just by way of you've got like John ha- John Hamm, Jamie Foxx, Lily James, just such a great cast mm. around him. Pre-disgraced well. Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't going to mention him. Oh! <laughs> I don't think he's very good in it. <laughs> well, he's not. <laughs> but no, but yeah, but that's it. Like, I mean, when I was watching this, I was thinking, God, they could have put any other actor in that role mm. and they probably would have done a better job. Like, and again, I don't want to blame this all on Nancy Elgar, but like, it, 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 there was a bit in it. He was like a lot of the reasons why it didn't work. How about Miles Teller? Because I find I knew it was going to be grating. Miles Teller. There I was you like, go. They're the same. There you go. Who's uh, fucking uh, solo? Um, oh, Alden Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. Ansel Elgort. Yeah. I it's like Benedict Cumberbatch. You could make up a third person with an amalgamation of all their names. Remember Which we... I won't try to do. <laughs> but it's remember we were talking about the grades of like Joel Kinnaman and Tom yeah. Hardy. It's, yeah. it's a similar it's not kind of And then way all down these roles is Joy Courtney. Should <laughs> all these Poor roles Jai. should go to Jack Rayner. Do you know what, right? You say that. I think... See, this is it. I think if they got more... Uh, I don't want to say weighty actor, but I just, I think just is he too boyishly think, good looking? Uh, for... Not even that, like because I mean there are certain actors like James Franco. I think is a perfect example of an actor who's used his very intense good looks as a to as subvert a, it or to subvert it and to play with it, like you know that kind of way. Like you look at him in like Spider Man Two, and he's a terrifying psychopath, but he looks so good that you're mm. you you can't see past it. You yeah. know that kind of um. It doesn't work for him in this, though. Like, And I think it's actually, f- f- just to even reiterate or to go back, um, if this film was made like 10 years ago, I could have seen John F- uh, James Franco in it. And yeah, I think he would have been go. great in it. I think he would have been fantastic in it. It also would have been like pre all of his shy coming. Yeah, true, right? Yeah. <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would have been perfect. But um, no, but yeah, I think fundamentally, I just don't think this film, or I don't, I just don't think this film should have been made. I don't think this story. Is it unsalvageable? Could anybody wa- get something no. out of it in the cinema? I mean. It's a one star? Or it's a- oh, no, it's not that bad. Like, I mean, Roger Deakins did really yeah. it makes it look gorgeous. And John Carley, God bless him, like, he was trying his damnedest to kind of make something out of a pig's mm-hmm. ear. Like, um, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I was watching it. I was find it very hard to connect with it I found it very hard to kind of understand the motivations it looked great and there were certain scenes that were done really really well but I think between Ansel Elgort just not connecting and the story itself just being completely a, a mishmash of like you know up its own whole philosophizing and then there is a whole like you the, mean like Ad Astra 
fuck you. <laughs> and then the ending was like, the ending was like straight out of like paperback bullshit. Tie everything up in a bowl. Wow, right, oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot of problems with it. Like, when I when the bad reviews came out, I was like, ah, oh, you know. Give it a go anyway. Give it a go yeah. anyway. And I went in, I was like, yeah, I can see exactly where the bad reviews were coming from. If you really love the book, maybe give it a go. But yeah. I think... Ansel Elgort came out and said his ma loved it. And that was all he cared about. Oh, as in so, he had to actually kind of... Defend it. Res- defend it. Yeah. yeah, well, obviously he was going to come out in defense of it. He wasn't going to like, you yeah, know, but in a way, separate it's, I didn't realize it was it. kind of universally panned. Yeah. Oh, been, yeah, yeah. No, pretty widely. It's like 26%, I think, in Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it bad news for Crowley? Is he happy? He's got a lot of projects coming up, I'd say. He does, yeah. I don't think, no, I mean, I, I, I again, I, I, I'm reluctant to lay the blame on him on this because yeah. he's a really good director. Like, I just don't think this was, I don't think this should have been made. That's it. That's there as simple are. as that. Yeah. I just don't think this should have been made. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, you know, we've talked so often about how key having a good script is. And if you're basing that script off something that's unadaptable. Correct. Then I don't think you can really blame anyone else. I don't think you can really blame the actors or the directors. Maybe you can somewhat blame the studio because they were really the first ones that should have looked at this and been like, you know, it, because obviously they're the ones who are like, it's a bestseller, so we'll get all the fans of the books to come see it. So there's always that kind of yeah. money motivation behind it. But like, really, they should have been responsible enough to be like, you know what? People love to read it, but I just don't see it being made into a movie. So I would say maybe that's where the blame lies. Yeah. Some, uh, there was some big shop producer that was I don't like, buy that. this is a money making machine. Of a the book. Lord of the Rings was meant to be unfilmable and they turned it into its own. I don't know. I think you that. need to take it. Well, I don't know about that. I, mean, oh, I think that's it, just based on the size of it, though. Yeah. But even look anything. at something like, I don't know, we've got. Yeah. Like, well, Brooklyn obviously was a good adaptation. I don't know. I'm not sold on the idea that like. You think you think everything can be adapted? It's done right. A Wrinkle in Time was another reason one that just, that was said to be unadaptable. Yeah. The first and one that came to I my mind it, for some reason earlier was The Kite Runner, which was oh, fine. I saw, yeah, I saw the movie, haven't read the book and yeah, I'd agree. No, I did read the book after. I did read after, the book after, yeah. after the fact. And yeah, the movie was just fine. Definitely more of an emotional impact when you read it. Yeah. So there you go. I'm sure that's the same. Like again, I haven't read the Golf Inch, and I w- would be motivated to go out and read the book. It didn't put you off. Didn't put me off it. No, but right. um, yeah, just it's a shame. It's a shame because, like I said, John Curley is a really good director. There you are. Okay, review number two. Ready or not, it's D's review for Ready or Not. Are you ready? <laughs> oh, I was gonna, I was nice. gonna say that. Nice. Nice. Two plug and a great A segue. <laughs> that two is for fun. one. Two for. <laughs> Bish bash bosh. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. I really, really yes. enjoyed this movie. I went to it last night. Um, it was an evening screening. So like with a big audience and everyone was loving it. Just really kind of inter- not interacting, I suppose, but like laughing when they yeah. were supposed to laugh, kind of squealing when they were supposed to squeal with the terror. Um, but really, it was so much funnier than I expected it to be. And all, also so much more like thrilling like it's a genuine like yeah. chase film except it's her on her own and all of these crazy in-laws following her with various weapons like trying to kill her it's mad so concept wise what you have is this um bride who is played by samara 
Oh my Samara gosh. Weaving. That's her name, Samara Weaving. Um, is she in relation to Hugo? I don't know. I should have looked that up, really. There. I'm going to go check that. Is she Australian? No, you're not allowed to turn on your phone. Oh, Brian's okay. phone was buzzing yeah. earlier. So, yeah. no, we will we will say next week. Um, but she's just married this guy who's part of this wealthy family. And what she doesn't know is that this family um, have this weird tradition where yeah. on the wedding night at midnight, they have to play a game. And as it happens on this particular cycle, they have to play hide and seek. And their version of hide and seek consists of her hiding somewhere in the house and the fa- the whole family go out and seek her but they do so with all these weapons and they have to kill her. Can I ask, Deirdre, seeing as you are a uh, to be wed, you're a to be wed. Uh, were you watching this and being like, holy shit? I was a bit like, God, what if these Russians come out with some crazy tradition? <laughs> and you know, like, you know those Russians have got some weird ass traditions. Yeah. Like, this is entirely possible. You just, this may happen to you, Deirdre. Axes, mallets. Uh, it, it, it won't, but it but was funny this seems it was like a real kind of like Pluto style movie as well. Yeah. Is it, just, is it OTT or it's do not, they keep it? It's not quite mystery, but it's definitely very OTT. I mean, like, it's, it's really funny because it's kind of like a family comedy in that all these guys are absolutely mental. Like the ensemble cast, like there are a lot of names who I wouldn't really know, but like Andy McDowell is in it. She plays the mom. Yeah. Um, she can actually act finally. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not the first one to comment on. Look, she's good in Groundhog Day, four weddings and a funeral. Um, <laughs> so fair. Adam Brody, who people will remember from the OC, he's in this. He actually gets second billing, which is interesting because he doesn't play her husband but okay. rather her husband's brother who's oh. out to get her or whatever he's out to get her but then he's kind of like sticking up for her oh. as well like he's not as crazy as like the rest of his family so his wife like is like killer 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 and the parents are like killer 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 and especially um the husband's aunt is just like this little old lady and she's like batshit crazy. Like it's absolutely mad. It kind of almost sounds like Get Out. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. It has some hints of Get Out. out And there's a bit of a kind of socioeconomic commentary going on as well of like kind of the privileges of the rich, Mm. which I thought was very interesting. And actually I would say, yeah, I'd compare this to something from like Ari Aster or Jordan Peele. Exactly. So it's very smart as well as being just just so, so funny. It's not just a romp. But like each character is just like they all have their own like little quirks and like they are typecast but what they share in common is that they're all just absolutely nuts and dysfunctional and deranged and it just ends up being so so funny each of them has kind of their little quirk and their little moments and stuff like that like you've got the guy who's been given a a crossbow but he doesn't know how to actually work it so he keeps on <laughs> hiding off in the corner looking up YouTube videos on how to use a crossbow <laughs> and there's so many like little bits like that and then Samara Weaving as the lead is just so so perfectly cast because she is so funny and likable that you're just on her side and yes. cheering her along the way like immediately which is obviously so important because you've got kind of the family all together like in a cluster um, they end up in kind of separate groups or whatever, yeah. breaking up Scooby-Doo style, what have you. Um, but, you know, you have to be loyal to her and you have you have to want her to survive, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah, to yeah, kind yeah, of keep you going that. through the film. Exactly. Um, I looked while, even though you told Brian not to, she's Hugo Weaving's niece. Oh, there you go. Previously there home and go. away. Yeah, yeah. Because oh. I feel like she kind of has, maybe it's, I, I need to look a picture of her again, but the I eyes. feel like the eyes, yeah. yes, the eyes and kind of the eyebrows. Um, but she's yeah. very pretty, dead ringer for Margot Robbie. It's actually kind of That was of scary. the thing. I thought yeah. Margot Robbie starred in this film and I didn't want to show off my ignorance, but I was like, 
pretty sure it's Margot. And didn't she also get her start on Home and Away? It might have been Neighbours. No, Margot Robbie was on was on Neighbours, yeah. Wow. Ramsey there you Street. Go, yeah. Is she any relation to Hugo Weaving? Margot Robbie? They're both Australian. Well, they're I mean just that. both Australian, <laughs> I think. They're just both Aussies. Wow. But it isn't a cast. We always find like Australia has like per capita or something that has a high amount of actors like. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, they punch punch above their weight. I suppose you could say the same for here. Yeah, well, I yeah. suppose we are the same as well. Like, we've got Andrew Scott and Michael Fassbender yeah, and Cicerone. They've got and Hugh Jackman and Kidman. Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman and Naomi Watts. Keep going. Hugh Jackman? We said Hugh Jackman. Oh, you said Hugh Jackman. And they've got um, Hugo Weaving. Yeah. They've got Chris and Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. And they've got... I want five more. <laughs> oh my God. We've got loads, guys. We've yeah, got, we got plenty. Loads, we got um, but even the cinematography I thought was gorgeous. Like you have this kind of candlelight light yeah, effect yeah. going on Very through it. And you, exactly. And you can see that like even in the posters and stuff, which is really kind of I was cool. in, it was actually shot that way with really open lens or whatever. I'm not sure. But like, yeah, there's kind of this orange like kind of hue to it throughout, which just looks absolutely gorgeous. Brilliant. Like I loved it so much. But yeah, it was so much fun. It gets like super, super bloody and gruesome. But that just adds to like the humor of it. By the end, it's like a complete bloodbath. And like she's hysterically laughing. You're hysterically laughing. It is just, it is so much fun. It's a real romp. Yeah. Um, but like I yeah, my my review's on site now and I, I gave it four stars. I think it's really yeah. recommendable, you know? Yeah. That's really good news. Yeah. And like uh is it for everyone? Would people be put off by the blood or I made a joke in my review that it's fun for all the family, but seriously, don't bring kids to it. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. Uh but especially because there are really, really creepy, murderous children in it. But anyway. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty weird. Like the kid, like like how how young are we talking here? I I won't get into it, but uh, but, oh, wow. but like yeah, it's it's like it, it's, it's so it's funny because like, that because at like, the start you're like worried that some kind of infanticide is going to happen, and you're like oh god oh god the poor children, and by the end you're like I hope those little shits die. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god. amazing. Yeah, that's what you want from a I movie. Know, yeah, totally. Obviously, no, no. like you know, it's complete fiction and everything. I know. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm so- <laughs> no, no, hundred percent. No, I'm totally sold on it. Like, yeah. I'm totally sold on it. It's so much fun. Like you can go to it date night. Go to it. Like bring your mates to it. Yeah. If it's on telly later on, go see it again. But it's a good one to actually go out to see. Like. On yeah, a movie it's like night, a night you know? event movie kind of it's fun. Yeah. And what's nice about it as well is that I uh went to it with my friend Hannah and we're actually both like total horror wimps and we ended up really really enjoying it because like if you can describe it as a horror comedy, it's way more in the comedy factor. Okay. Like there's it's not really a horror at all except from the perspective of like like I said the bloodbath and everything. That's how I felt so. about us. I went in yeah. expecting Actually it was really scary, what am I saying? I don't know. I, I have no, a very it's, it's tough time going less, to see yeah. horrors. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah because yeah, yeah. I build it up in my head so much. Yeah. And then I usually enjoy it. But, there you go. Whew, there you go. There you go. Yeah, no, I definitely <laughs> say it's more of a comedy than Us yeah. was. Us C has a lot of humor integrated throughout it, which is similar to Get Out, whereas this, like, like I said, it's a horror comedy, but I'd almost describe it as a comedy horror, if you will. Mm. Like Scary yeah. Movie 2. I think that's just another a spoof. <laughs> <laughs> or what were we saying? We were saying this the other day. Or no, I was asking what's the difference between a satire and a parody? Because I was getting oh, yeah. mixed up. Uh, okay, uh, yeah. Parody is making fun of like a genre or a particular song. A satire is more like 
I think it's uh, more of a commentary. It's a commentary. Like it's, social or oh, it's political. Meant to or it's social yeah, effect yeah. change a bit more. It's well, like it's social. It's a social commentary using humor to comment on. So scary sorry. movie is parody, yeah. not satire. Yeah. And I'd almost describe this one as more satire and I'd describe us as more satire. Yeah. Like Starship there Troopers. Yes. Yeah. Like Starship Troopers is a satire. Whereas Spaceballs is, is a, a parody. parody. Yeah, oh, that's a very go. good point. Yeah. Death of Stalin, satire. Death of Stalin is absolutely a satire. Yeah, yeah. 100% a satire. I, Whereas yeah. something like, God, I can't even think of any kind, kind of... parody Russian genre? Yeah, jeez, I can't even think. Um, I don't think there is one, but you know yeah. what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, I need to write it. Death of Stalin. But then again, you look at something like Blazing Saddles and that's parodying Westerns, but at the same time, it's satirizing racism. Yeah, it's got lots of satirical Yeah, I'd say that that's probably a bit of both. That's a bit of both. Yeah, yeah I would think four so. Four Lions. Oh, Ting actually saw his latest film. I uh, James Wall Anderson. He went to see uh, and the day shall come. Or something. It's out for review, isn't it? Yeah, he's got the review. But he fucking loved it. Really? Yeah. Wow. I have such high hopes for it, and I've heard that loads of people are hating it. Oh, oh wow. yeah. This is our like. I think this is still a few weeks away for us, yeah. isn't it? It's kind of mid October. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We'll save it for a review, but it's yeah. Chris Morris, the creator of Brass Eye, and of course, yeah. Uh, what was he in the IT crowd and stuff? He was. Um, but he directed Four Lions, which is really good satire. Yeah really really good um yeah no i'm 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 looking forward to yeah into that. we've got to look forward to it. okay yeah. we've got uh joker next week as a big review coming yeah. up yeah uh, none of you saw brian's face there interesting i'll do it again and i won't describe it this time i'll, yeah. do, I'll do it again that was a spoiler last time oh mm. it changed mm-hmm. a bit that time it did, it did. uh <laughs> d you got judy which i'm so excited to talk about i liked it so much I remember we were in the editorial meeting and I was like, so what'd you make of Judy? And she was like, I loved it. I was like, well, you got to give it five. <laughs> <laughs> no need to tune in next week. That's the reviews. Sorry. Yeah, that's no, all no, 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 no. I have to say why. No, so exactly. No, I'm no. actually really looking forward to that. Yeah. And you can't tell me about Joker until we're back in the studio. That's true. Yeah, I can't talk about that until we do it tomorrow. But if you want to read the review, the review's on site now. Same with Judy. Judy reviews on site. Yeah, that's well. also wow. on site now. Yeah, yeah. What's the point of doing a podcast? The editorials are beating us out. Because some people don't like to read, they like to listen. And yeah. and you can listen to us as you walk, whereas you can't really be looking at your phone reading while you walk. That's Otherwise, you yeah. walk into someone. <laughs> that happens. That happens more than people think. Because I'm, I'm a fecker for doing this. I'm walking, I'm like trying to answer emails. Yeah. And I like literally walk into somebody. Like, and I don't mean to do it. Like, I don't mean to. Be one of the, don't be on your phone. And we're near the canal. <laughs> we're near the canal here. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Very trippy. Yeah. Okay. Right. See you later.